Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. And just like that, we have a presidential nominee. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols. And of course, you're in store for another phenomenal episode here on The Brian Nichols Show with, of course, another phenomenal guest. But we got to address what happened last weekend, and that was that the Libertarians... Yes, we, we were able to actually come to an agreement on something, and that was selecting our presidential nominee in one Dr. Joe Jorgensen, friend of The Brian Nichols Show, uh, and actually it was great. I, I had the chance to interview Dr. Jorgensen back episode 103, which I will include the link in the show notes. It was a great conversation, get to know who Dr. Jorgensen is, a little bit more about her past history with the Libertarian Party, uh, including her run uh, for the vice, uh, or actually her run for uh, vice president uh, back in 1996. Um, on the Harry Brown ticket. An absolutely fantastic conversation with Dr. Jorgensen. So please, if you want to get to know who Dr. Jorgensen is, if you're new to this Libertarian Party and you're like, who is this lady? I need to learn who she is. Learn more about her. This is a great resource. So please, not only check it out, but also uh, feel free to share with family and friends. But going forward to what you're here for today, and that is on one Mr. Elliot Sherman. Now, Elliot is running uh, for the second district, uh, congressional district in Texas, that is, uh, which is currently occupied by uh, incumbent Republican congressional uh, representative and very, very well-known member of uh, the conservative side of the Republican aisle, one uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, Now, Representative Crenshaw, obviously, as we'll discuss during the episode today, uh, is most notably uh, recognized for uh, his eye patch, right, that uh, he ended up serving uh, over in Iraq. Um, ended up getting injured by WMD, which cost him uh, his eye. Um, so his his famous eye patch, it, it really has become kind of synonymous with him. Um, but really his approach to trying to uh, bridge, uh, really build bridges. And that was uh, with back with SNL. And we'll discuss uh, Pete Davidson's, um, you know, oh, he lost his eye in something, whatever Pete Davidson said. I actually don't remember what he said. Uh, I say that in the show as well. Um, but anyways, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, really, Dan Crenshaw was, was propelled to a national stage. And uh, he's taken some pretty not good positions. Uh, even though he's claiming to be a conservative um, Republican who leans, uh, you know, in the the pro constitution, pro limited government uh, area, he, he he unfortunately has not been ruling as that. So Elliot uh, has decided to uh, dip his toe into the waters and has announced that he is seeking the uh, the, the congressional seat as a libertarian. Uh, so today we get to learn a little bit more about Elliot, uh, learn more about his uh, libertarian history, but also how Elliot would be a, a foil to that of uh, Dan Crenshaw and and really what voters would get in an Elliot Sherman campaign versus that of uh, one representative, Dan Crenshaw. So with that being said, folks, on to the show, Elliot Sherman here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, sir. You are fighting the noble fight as you are leading the charge uh, against that one uh, man I spoke about, Dan Crenshaw, who he's really become kind of like the new GOP figurehead, it seems like, in the, in the Congress. Um, you've kind of taken the, the new the new wave forward, if you will, for the, uh, was he, is he millennial? Is he technically millennial? He is a millennial. He's actually younger than I am. 
Nijono, you are no kidding. So, so you are actually competing right now for um, the the congressional race in uh, District Two there against yes the incumbent that is uh, Dan Crenshaw. Now, now for folks who aren't familiar with Dan Crenshaw, obviously you know he's he's pretty much been all around um, the the media in the past what year and a half or so, and he really came to prominence when there was that whole issue um, with Pete Davidson on SNL um, made a joke about his um, his eye patch for you know oh this guy he thinks he's so strong with an eye patch or whatever he said um, it was disparaging towards um, military personnel so. SNL, in a gesture of good faith, brings Dan Crenshaw on the show. Pete Davidson and him have a, you know, buddy-buddy moment. Oh, we're all friends again. Um, and then that pretty much, I mean, really propelled Crenshaw to this national prominent stage that he is now, you know, not only utilized to help promote his new book that's going out, but now leading to be one of the main voices in Congress. So with all that being said, Elliot, you are running now in uh, District 2 in, in Texas to uh, unseat that in one Dan Crenshaw, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to elephant in the room here. Uh, a lot of the, the folks that listen to my show, I would dare say, come from more of the uh, the right side of the aisle and some of the more Republican conservatarian, and yes, lots of libertarians out there. So I'm, I bet they're they're raising an eyebrow. Why why would Elliot go out of his way to unseat maybe an ally that we have? So let's start here, Elliot. Let's kind of do a little bit of your, your story about why liberty is so important to you and why you want to run for Congress as a libertarian. But why would you be right now looking at uh, Dan Crenshaw really the, the, the true pro-liberty candidate? Well, that's, a, that's actually an interesting question. The reason I decided to run was uh, specifically because of something that he did. Uh, Mr. Crenshaw is a really likable guy. He's got a lot of charisma, and he certainly took advantage of that prominence that he got uh, with the SNL bump. Um, and something that I'm committed to in my campaign is never making anything about his you know, disability because his weaknesses are actually on the issues. And that's what got me involved. Uh, so one thing that uh, raised a lot of people's eyebrows who, you know, when they heard this guy who campaigned on liberty uh, was last August, he took a really, uh, I'd say, really destructive stance on gun rights when he vocally supported uh, red flag laws. For those of you who don't know what that means, red flag laws are when the government can show up and take your guns and your property without any any con- criminal conviction or even charges being pressed against you. And that's so completely like blatantly against the second amendment. It really makes me wonder how Republicans who claim to, you know, care about their gun rights can even support that. Yeah, it's it's basically a a watch list for gun owners or, or people who are or looking to uh I guess well, if, in this case, right, you're right. Red flag laws, it is gun owners, but also uh more restrictions on folks, you know, based on their mental state. And that that really goes to a, a big question and that is how much can can government really decide, you know, your mental state to the point you're able to defend yourself when when you need to? So you you decide, obviously, that you want to take the charge um, to, to really be a voice in saying, no, this is not a pro-Second Amendment. This is not a pro-liberty position. Um, so, Elliot, you, you're obviously passionate about liberty. And I say passionate because you have to be to run not only against a sitting congressman, because, I mean, 90 percent uh, incumbent uh, re-election rate in Congress, it's it's a nightmare just from that alone, but running as a third party, man. I mean, like that's God bless you. Cause you're fighting the good fight. So what was it that said to you, like, this is such a big deal. And, and I, I'm sure this kind of goes more into maybe who you are as a libertarian and kind of what brought you to where you are today. So let's kind of rewind a little bit and go into more of what brought you to where you are sitting as uh, the libertarian candidate there in the second congressional district in Texas. Great question. Um, I would say I've identified as libertarian for about 12 years now. Uh, that really kind of, aha moment happened in 2008 during that uh, presidential uh, you know, election and run-up. I was, I was uh, sick of the wars. I was sick of the debt. And I realized that 
you know, the red and blue options really didn't have anything for me, uh, given that stance. And I started looking for something that, you know, that had had more of an answer, had something that respected people's, uh, you know, consent and choice and, you know, their rights. And from what I could see, the Republicans and Democrats, just what they were selling was not that. So I had a coworker mention uh, when we were just having a casual lunch conversation, uh, mentioned, oh, you're a libertarian. And I said, well, no, I'm not a liberal. And he said, no, 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 libertarian. The, the root word is liberty. <laughs> yep. And I was like, well, uh, OK, let me, let me see what this is about. So I, you know, got online, did some research, took one of those, uh, you know, I side with or, or whatever uh, online quizzes. And I was like, yep, I'm a libertarian. How about that? OK, so now I have this newfound identity. Uh, you know, let me look into it. Let me see who these, con- uh, you know, who these who these people are that, you know, that advance this cause. And then uh, I think uh, Ron Paul was probably the uh, the most prominent uh, person talking about liberty at the time, even though he wasn't in the Libertarian Party. Everything he was saying was really in line with, uh, you know, with with the way things were in 2008. So that's so kind of that, that's that's uh, what sparked me being a libertarian, which turned into me being a libertarian activist, which turned into me being a libertarian candidate. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that you actually have a specific moment where you were like, huh, I am a libertarian, because most people who come on my show, it's one of those moments where they, they kind of realize it over time, but it sounds like you actually have like a specific moment where a coworker actually is like, hey, by the way, Elliot, based on what you're telling me, you, you actually are a libertarian, and that was kind of the moment for you, and, and that I'm actually, I want to kind of maybe look at that a little bit more in detail, because that's where I am fascinated, because that's a real-life, like, case study of someone who like looked at the idea of a libertarian and, and your instant gut reaction is no, that's a liberal, right? So for you to not only hear like the, the name libertarian and, and actually have a visceral reaction to that at first, because it was kind of count, like uh, counter to if you were more right-leaning beliefs, but then you were willing to take a moment and actually dig into what it means to be a libertarian. And, and it actually brought you to the point where, like you said, yeah, you, you became an activist and now here you are running for Congress. And I'm fascinated, I'm fascinated by that because that's really what, you know, not only am I doing here the Brian Nichols show, but I dare say any libertarian podcast or libertarian activist out there, like your ultimate goal in life is to to try and actually change people's minds and win them over to the movement. And I mean, heck, we, we you want to bring that you know big picture? We just had this discussed here this past weekend as we're recording on on May twenty sixth, uh, where we had the Libertarian Convention, be it online, um, but deciding who was going to be that person that was going to be the messenger, right? So let's let's kind of dig into you know your your one on one interaction with this guy, this coworker. What was it that kind of led you down this conversation with a coworker of all people to to you know kind of figure out, hey? Maybe I'm not this, you know, what I thought I was before having this conversation. And now really it's opening up not only an idea that you weren't really aware of, but something that was completely alien to you. And now it's like a brand new world. How did that process really culminate? Well, it it really just boils down to the Socratic method. For those of you who don't know what that means, that's asking questions and having people answer them until they kind of realize what their thoughts on a particular topic are or what, you know, their, their inclination happens to be. Uh, sorry, there's someone driving loud outside. My house That'll right happen. Now. No worries. You're you're near uh, Houston, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, I'm in Philadelphia. It, it happens every single day. No worry. It, it, it's one of those things you have to grow to live with, right? Yep. Yep. Got to deal. <laughs> uh, fourth largest city in the U.S. You're gonna you're bound to be around loud people. So, um, getting back to that is, he just kind of asked me a few questions, and I was answering honestly and candidly. And, um, you know, something that does that has always mattered to me is I don't ever, you know, I've I've never really been turned on uh, by the, the concept of, you know, politicians who 
take advantage of people, uh, you know, things that they claim to be passionate about or, you know, push wedge issues. Um, something that has always been important to me is just like, you know, doing the right thing. Does this policy help people or does this policy harm people? Right. And also, do the means uh, harm people in an attempt to justify uh, an end that helps people? And I feel like that that particular step gets overlooked an awful lot uh, when it comes to political solutions to, uh, you know, today's problems. Right. And, and that kind of goes full circle, right? Talking about what really inspired you to run against Dan Crenshaw. And that is, is again, his approach to uh, the red flag laws. So, you know, looking more specifically at Dan Crenshaw, and, and I, I'm saying this, you know, I would dare say from a libertarian perspective that you can look at somebody like a Dan Crenshaw and say, yes, there are things that I agree with him on. Um, but, you know, He's an ally. He's not. He's not the same. But he's somebody that we can, you know, we can have conversations with, find common ground with, and advance maybe those those ideas forward where we do have common ground. And I will say, you know, one of the areas I, he's been very, very good at has been economics. Um, and and that was actually kind of re- refreshing. And I say it because you know one example that was a perfect primetime example was uh, his appearance on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. And you know he he actually was able to eloquently explain economics as it pertains to healthcare and and how that perverts the, the the cost incentives and i was i was kind of smiling because we really don't have anybody in congress right now besides a few i mean a, tr- truly a, a few stalwarts out there like you know the, the thomas masseys the rand pauls the justin amashes who know this stuff um but and to have him on a show like a bill Maher, and he's articulating these ideas like for me i was like hey that's that's exciting because we need to have somebody who's out there like those those folks in Congress that that are going to be articulating the, these ideas. But darn, like he's he's a Republican and we can agree on, you know, let's say 60 percent, 70 percent, 80 percent of the issues. But there's still those last 20 percent of the issues that we just cannot get past. So let's say, Elliot, you know, I love these little thought experiments. Let's say you were in a situation where, you know, it's not a debate. It's, it's, it's let's use the Socratic opportunity here, this Socratic method, and you're having a conversation with Dan Crenshaw. What would you say are maybe the, the one or two big issues that you have currently with, with Dan Crenshaw from a policy perspective and where maybe you think that you could use the Socratic method and get him to be on our side? Well, that's a that's an interesting concept. Um, if I were just having a conversation with them guy to guy, I I don't think there'd be any hostility or animosity. I think at the end of the day, both of us, you know, want what's best for people. Um, uh, I would, however, I would challenge his his recent. Um, he he's done a lot of uh, local marketing against socialism specifically as a concept. Uh, yet he co-sponsored the CARES Act, which gave trillions of dollars uh, with almost no oversight uh, as corporate bailouts, rather than you know, helping out people, you know, helping out people, individuals, um, you know, with, with some relief money. It it was just it looked like a really hypocritical smash and grab uh, opportunity. So it it makes me kind of wonder if, you know, if he believes what he's saying or if he just right. is reading from a script. So if I were you know, if it was just man to man, I was having a beer and uh, conversation. I'd really want to know, like, hey, are you just are you just an actor right now playing a role or do you actually care about these things that you talk about? Um, either way, I'd, it'd be curious for me to know. Yeah, and I see him, and like, when he was on Joe Rogan, and that's actually a really, a, a great chance, I think, to maybe get to see a little more of who he actually is, uh, I thought he he actually defended small government, limited government, government positions quite well, honestly, and, and I say that as somebody who, you know, I myself came from more of the, the conservative right, so I, you know, I, I was looking at him when he was on uh, Joe Rogan, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's actually, he's presenting a a logical, sound 
alternative to the positions that that Joe Rogan had been promoting. And in the discussion, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's a conversation with Rogan and they're going about healthcare um, and, and really digging into, you know, what's the, what's the best means to, you know, incentivize advancement in healthcare, but also coverage in healthcare and, and you know, actually taking care of people. Um, and, you know, I will say again, going back to uh, to Crenshaw, you know, he, he does articulate the idea as well. But then to your point, right, it's then when you actually see what he does when he votes, when, when he actually casts the, the, the vote, is he voting with the likes of the folks of a Thomas Massey and a Justin Amash, or do we find him voting more like the Peter Kings or, you know, the Elise Stefanics of the world? And, and that's the, the sad reality is that I don't know the answer to that question. And, and you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe you get the opportunity, right? You're the libertarian candidate against him. Can you ask that to him for us? Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> the way, <laughs> um, ever since I announced this campaign back in December of last year, uh, I have had friends and family forward me literally every article, every interview that there is about him. <laughs> so I, I do get exposed quite a bit to, uh, you know, to the, the places where he's able to make a media splash. Um, in terms of following his actual record, he really seems to be in lockstep with President Trump. And um, I think he realizes that there is a lot of uh, marketability from the Republican audience uh, by doing so. Um, they're very loyal to, to the president and are very and they are looking for people who are like that. And he is playing very well to their, uh, you know, to their sensibilities. Um, so yeah. it's really hard to gauge uh, when you have someone like President Trump who's all over the place and who does not articulate any kind of consistent thing. He contradicts himself constantly on Twitter. When you have someone trying to align to that, it's it's really it's really hard to predict, you know, exactly what they will support when it comes down to the, you know, legislative work of voting and representing your constituents. So right. he's man, I, I gotta I gotta give Crenshaw credit. He is really good at articulating the free market uh, marketing. Like he's really good at that. I just wish that he was uh, you know a little better on voting that way when it came time. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and then there comes the question, right? The art of politics. And and I mean, really, the, politics is the art of compromise. And it, it, really, at the end of the day, that's what, what politics comes down to, because if you want to advance any type of ideology, and, and you know, when you look at the Republicans and Democrats and, and progressives, you know, regardless of, of, you know, who they are, or who they're owned by, they do have some form of ideology. It might be a corporatist ideology. It might be a, the, the socialist ideology, but they all have an ism that they believe in. And, you know, even still, it's important to to recognize that we have to reach them as well. And, and it, it yes, that requires us to sometimes not necessarily speak our truths as loudly as we would otherwise. So, you know, I think you're 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 actually focusing on a, a very distinct difference, right? There's speaking about the ideas, but actually then you know, supporting those ideas with your vote. And that's gonna be like, you know, Ron Paul, you know, a fellow congressman from Texas, he actually walked the walk and, and then would support the, the votes that would back that up. Um, you know, and, and there is then the outer counter argument though, but at the same point in time, Ron Paul did play politics, right? You know, he, he would play politics and with the, the, the pork spending that was, you know, just rampant at the time, he was like, listen, if it's, if it's going to be there and I know that it's going to be, you know, taken from my tax dollars and my taxpayers I'm representing, well, yeah, I'm going to try to get what we at least put into it back in, in some sort of subsidy for the district. And I would say that that kind of makes a rational argument. So, let me take that and kind of flip it a little bit back towards your critique of uh, Congressman Ken Grenshaw when it pertains to like the, the spending bill, right? So I've seen a lot of libertarians kind of divided on this. One side is saying, listen, you can't take 
uh, a government handout. It's it's a subsidy check, and and it's it's just this isn't how economics works. But the other hand, saying, listen, this is a a government pause really on the economy, and in this kind of situation, it is quite literally the government in many cases, stopping companies from either A, making money, or B, even keeping the lights on. So they, in this world, actually do owe something to these people because they have now stopped them from, you know, not only earning money, but now they're actually, you know, being shut down entirely. So I would say there's almost like a a harm principle argument to be made in this kind of situation. So would it be fair to argue from maybe his, uh, you know, Congressman Crenshaw's standpoint, I'm not trying to, you know, build his position position or defend him on any standpoint, but let's say from a standpoint that at least this bill gave the people back something that was taken from them. Is that an argument that can be made? Uh, so there's a lot to unpack there in that, in that premise. Um, I can tell you uh, from what I did from a personal standpoint as a, as a jumping off point. Um, the contribution that I never asked for that I received direct deposited into my account uh, I donated 100% of that to a local charity called uh, Homemade Hope, uh, which helps uh, teach, um, you know, disadvantaged children life skills so that they can grow up and have, you know, some consistency in their life and some support like that. So that was the way I, as a libertarian, cleared my conscience when I got a check from the government. Now, the other thing to worry about or that you need to think about is that for every $1,200 check that the average American received – the cost to the average taxpayer is $6,000. So you've got less than 25% of the money actually going to the people who are going to have to foot the bill for this. And the rest of that, like I said, it was a smash and grab, all went out to corporate bailouts, cronies who are related to people in the government who are able to take advantage of this, essentially like, hey, the, you know, the, the sky is falling. Everybody do what you can really quick. We've got an emotional widespread support in the country to pass this bill. Nobody, nobody looked what what was in it. Um, it was almost passed without anybody even having to actually sign their name on it, and it 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 really goes to show you like what kind of disgusting opportunism can happen uh, legislatively if you don't have uh, people who are watchdogs looking at this. So when when you win, right? Because that's always the mindset you have to have is when you do win in Congress, you obviously are going to have to to work with someone, right, in order to get anything accomplished really, unless you just want to be a, a, a focal point, which you cannot absolutely be if you want to do that. So let's say though, you do want to advance some libertarian, you know, policies and, and, and you know, principles and actually get them in, into legislation. So if that's the case, looking at the, the current members of Congress, who would you maybe seeing yourself uh, partner up with? Would, would you find yourself partnering with the likes of maybe, um, you know, right now the, the only sitting libertarian congressman, Justin Amash, and uh, maybe working with the likes of Thomas Massey as a Republican, or would you even entertain working with maybe some of the progressives out there, like an AOC on certain issues, or, or where do you think you would, uh, you would caucus more often? Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, uh, Congressman Amash really sets the standard, I think, uh, for how you know statesmen should behave. Whenever he takes a stance on any bill, he takes the time to read it fully, um, ext- explain and publish why he supports it a certain way, and share that with his, not only his constituents, but with the rest of America. Um, however, there is absolutely a tactical advantage to caucusing uh, with different groups uh, based on um, you know what type of coalition matters to you, uh, depending on the issue. Um, as a libertarian activist, that's something that we've done a lot here in Texas. Um, 
particularly when it comes to issues like uh, advancing uh, legalization of marijuana or something like that, where we work with a lot of groups who, you know, there are Green Party, there are, you know, Republicans for legalizing marijuana, there are Democrats, there are independents, there are people who just want it simply because they have found themselves or their family in a medical issue where it can really provide a lot of relief. And we will work uh, with these different groups who have nothing to do with the Libertarian Party and have never been a donor, never, never wanted to support us at all. But we work together um, during the Texas legislative sessions. And so, yeah, we work together to go affect this legislative change, which as an activist, you learn how important coalitions are. Um, as a legislator in Congress, I'll be happy to work with uh, side by side with the uh, Congressman Amash and, and the others uh, on the left or the right, because what really matters is, you know, reducing the harm that government does to people. I don't care who I have to work with to do that. And I don't care who, you know, needs my support if they're doing the right thing. I will always applaud someone who's doing the right thing, regardless of which partisan group they identify with. And obviously it'd make it easier to, to at least get some more libertarians into Congress there that would work with you. So uh, how about this? Let's do a, a 180 and let's look at libertarian party politics because we just had our convention. And uh, Elliot, you're the first show I've done uh, post-convention. So, you know, we do have a nominee now. And, um, you know, at first it looked like the uh, the favorite was going to be Justin Amash. And then about a week or so before the convention, he uh, withdrew his name from consideration. So it came down to really Jacob Hornberger, Joe Jorgensen, Vermin Supreme, um, I believe Jim Gray, and was it John Sam? Mons? John Mons, is it John Mons that was up there? Yes. Okay, I, I know Kokesh was up there as well. He, yeah. I think he went out in yeah, the first ballot. Kokesh was as well. Um, I was actually a, a national delegate during that uh, online convention, which was uh, <laughs> quite an experience. Yeah. So let's let's maybe dig, well, here. Let's let's before we dig into the convention, let's let's you know talk about the elephant in the room, and that is that yo know, yes, of all those candidates, we did have a, a candidate that did win, and that is one uh, Joe Jorgensen, who was on the Brian Nichols show. I think it was episode one hundred and three. So if folks want to go back and uh, and learn a little bit more about Dr. Jorgensen, you can do that. Um, but now we have a face of the party, and that is one um, PhD uh, professor from Clemson in psychology, um, who also has an MBA and was also the uh, the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party in 1996. So we have someone who not only is is you know experienced in politics, but also experienced in um, you know in the private sector, in and, and has bona fides that will will I think attract a lot of people outside of our traditional libertarian movement. So let's start here, shall we? Talking about this libertarian convention, um, the the presidential nominating process. Elliot, did we get it? right and did we put the best person at the face of the party i, I think dr jorgens is a great choice um the only thing process wise uh that i would have changed is something libertarians constantly uh, you know point out is something that kind of puts us at a disadvantage with the public is uh the first past the post voting system so something that i think would help uh with a lot more diversity in terms of our representatives and um really allowing people to not feel like their vote if they want to vote for the Libertarian Party is a spoiler, is the concept of approval voting. Um, I was uh, I wish we had used that as, you know, as an example to set with our national convention. But, uh, you know, sadly, we ended up not doing that. We just did several different rounds of single elimination until uh, until someone bypassed the 50 percent mark. Approval voting is great. Actually, you know, if we want to talk about election theory, um, I had a great conversation with the Center for Election Science um, back. Oh my goodness, it was like episode seventy something, I believe, um, where you know we, we kind of dig into these different electoral systems. And yes, I, I definitely think the Libertarian Party is in need of, of a, a serious refresh. Like if so, 
I, I don't want to, uh, to you know, crap on the LNC by any stretch of the imagination. Because, you know, I am a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party. You know, I I'm I want to see the Libertarian Party be successful. But I think we need to acknowledge there's a fundamental difference between the Libertarian Party, which is the people that compose the party and are the activists out there, and then the political leadership. And I think sometimes the political leadership gets too stuck in semantics and too stuck in trying to, you know, make sure that you know, rules and procedures are followed versus, you know, actually doing what's best for the party. So I do fingers crossed hope that we have some, you know, some just kind of updating and just kind of reforming of the party to make it so it is more up to date with the times. And then, and yes, it is more user friendly for both the candidates, but also the membership um, and the delegation. And also I think it'll make things better for the LNC member, uh, you know, the leadership as well. Um, but with that being said, we do have our candidate and that is Dr. Joe Jorgensen. So, you know, looking at Dr. Jorgensen and obviously you running as a libertarian, now we have somebody that we can identify as our face of our ticket. So, you know, looking at the, the prospects for Liberty and, and I do want to kind of focus on this as we wrap up the show here today, Elliot, is we're, we're looking at a world right now where people are, I think, starting to see, they're, they're starting to see that the, the veil is being lifted off and they're, they're starting to open their eyes to, listen, the government, it says it has your best intentions at heart, but oftentimes the government will do things that it thinks is best and it ends up actually causing more, you know, pain, more, more suffering, more devastation. And right now, I think a lot of people are actually looking for a true alternative to what has been presented as this status quo. And it, it really has gotten to the point, I think a lot of people are getting fed up and they're, they are looking for someone to, 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 you know, reach out to, to be that alternative. So right now, Dr. Jorgensen leading the way as the, the face of the, the party and having you obviously being the face um, going against Dan Crenshaw in Texas, we have candidates who are leading the charge and you know, have a, a, a great chance to reach those voters. So, with that being said, what do you believe is the prospects for our liberty movement as we head towards the, the 2020 election? Do you think voters are going to actually, you know, listen to our message and, and you know, actually walk and, and go vote on our behalf? Um, or do you think maybe this isn't the time because things are so up in the air that people just want to feel safe and will kind of yield back to voting for that, you know, traditional two-party system? Brian, I, th- I think the voters are starved for something different right now. Um, they've seen for the last decades just the pendulum swinging back left and right, and the same problems keep happening. We've been at war for decades. Uh, the national debt just keeps growing out of control. Um, the poverty level hasn't been impacted one bit over the last 50 years. Uh, you know, We still have a crisis at the border. We have these pointless trade wars. We have people mass incarceration based on the failed war on drugs. There's so much that people realize is wrong and needs to change. And I feel like what we as libertarians uh, need to do is effectively show the vast majority of Americans that what we have to offer is exactly what they want, that we don't need to beat them over the head with with ideology. We just need to say, look, here, like these things that you care about, we have positive solutions here. Um, one thing I wish more of my fellow libertarians would do is listen more uh, to, you know, to their oh, friends man. and neighbors who aren't libertarians. Hear what the actual problems are and explain how libertarianism can solve those problems rather than telling someone that, you know, they're not moral because they support taxation or something like that. Just understand that their intentions are to help people out. And, you know, regardless of what the government actually ends up doing, um, that's that's one thing that we we also do need to overcome is the government is often judged by intentions and not not results. So you have this 
forever forgiven cycle of the government harming people uh, while saying it's trying to do something good and people just kind of shrugging their shoulders and say, okay, well, we got to reform that, not maybe we should rethink things. Maybe the government as a forceful solution to things ends up doing more harm than good. You know, I, I couldn't have said it better myself, and I think that that was a phenomenal way to uh, to summarize exactly what the problem is when uh, we uh, we talk to our friends on the left, and, and also a lot of our friends on the right who think that they can just vote different people, and, and it's going to be better this time. And I'm like, no, 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 that that that's part of the problem is that the system is built to not get better. Um, so you know, definitely what we need, Elliot, is more people like you in Congress. So with that being said, I want people to be able to find you so they can go ahead and follow you. Uh, not only uh. On on the campaign trail, but also on social media. So where can folks go ahead not only and find you there on uh, Facebook, but also on Twitter? Well, one thing that's going to really help is if most people know how to spell my name. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I get a, a lot of the time is my name is constantly misspelled. So that's going to be Sherman spelled S-C-H-E-I-R-M-A-N. And if you break it up into three-letter chunk like the, chunks like that, it's a lot easier to remember. So that's Sherman, S-C-H-E-I-R-M-A-N. My website is shermanforcongress.com. That's all spelled out, F-O-R, not the number. Uh, my Instagram is at shermanforcongress. My Twitter is at vote Sherman. On um, Facebook, you can find me at shermanforcongress. And that, I believe, is all for those. Um, one thing I'd like to leave listeners with, uh, just as, uh, as, as, a, as an offer, is if you've, if you've been voting for your party for you know decades or years and they're just not doing what you want, Stop rewarding them with your vote. Try something different if you want to see some, a different outcome, even if it's just for this one election. Let's let's see if we can actually make an impact here together. Amen. Elliot, couldn't say it better enough. And uh, best of luck to you, sir, as you uh, move forward in the campaign trail. And you always have a friend here at The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks so much, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my uh, conversation with one congressional candidate there, Elliot Sherman, seeking the congressional seat currently occupied by Congressional Representative Dan Crenshaw in Texas 2nd District. If you enjoyed the conversation like I did, I'm sure you did, of course, uh, please do me a favor and be sure to share with family and friends. Elliot is a fantastic uh, opportunity for libertarians to not only make a really great name for ourselves in the 2nd uh, District there in Texas, but also to, uh, to really serve as a true alternative um, to a, a uh, let's be honest, a, a kind of disappointing congressman. I, I was, I had some hope for uh, for uh, Congressman Crenshaw, and I still do have a little hope. But uh, Elliot uh, definitely is the uh, the best choice. But hey. Congressman Crenshaw, if you'd love to come on the show and tell me why I'm wrong and tell Elliot why he's wrong, well, you're more than welcome to, of course. Uh, but with that being said, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, as I said, share with family and friends, uh, but also be sure to head over and uh, follow me on social media. You can go ahead and find that at uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Minds.com, and you can find me at B Nichols Liberty on all three platforms. Uh, and tag me. Go ahead and tag me there. I'll make sure, uh, you know, if you share the episode and you tag me, I will go ahead and give you a nice retweet. Uh, so it's at B Nichols Liberty. Yes, I say retweet because Twitter is is my number one platform, and I, I do apologize to uh, last week's guest, Bill Ottman. I gotta get more active on Minds Guy, uh, Minds Guy. So you know, please keep me, keep me honest. Tell me, hey, Brian, you haven't posted on Minds in a while, and I will make sure I stay vigilant. Um, so otherwise, though, Facebook, I mean, Facebook guys, you know, it's for the memes, um, but still a great opportunity to uh, to stay involved with some great libertarian uh, content producers out there, like Being Libertarian. Uh, li I think Liberty is a great organization. I mean, heck, the big channel, We Are Libertarians, and uh, many, many other great uh, Liberty uh, meme organizations. I, I say that, you know, they're, they're content creators. They do a lot more than memes, but memes sell. People like memes, and, and it just seems to be able to take a message that might be hard to convey, makes it so simple to understand and so concise that, hey, even a caveman can understand it. 
And that reference probably misses like half my audience from the Geico commercial, The Caveman. But hey, if, if you want to have a good throwback commercial, Geico, uh, Geico Caveman commercials, those were, were pristine. Peak, like what, mid-2000s? Um, I'm on a rant here. Guys, it's been a blast. Social media at Liberty. Send me an email, Brian at Brian Nichols Show. I have gotten so many awesome suggestions for guests to come on the Brian Nichols Show. And thank you. I mean, honestly, thank you so much to all of you who have sent an email. Um, so if you want to see somebody on the Brian Nichols Show, send me an email, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. I read every email and I take every guest suggestion seriously. So if you have an idea for a guest or if you yourself want to be a guest, shoot me an email, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com. But with that being said, folks, it's been a blast. Thanks for joining and signing off for Congressional Candidate Elliot Sherman. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.